0: The
1: president's got the authority to nominate or appoint more than 4,000 government positions. And right now, Joe Biden is hiring. So far, he's got a chief of staff, a lawyer, a few advisors, many of them old Washington hands. You've known a lot of these characters for a long time.
0: <laughs> well, I did I did spend some time in Biden world, so uh, it's not my first rodeo, I guess.
1: <laughs> I got Mike Grunwald on the line, he writes over at Politico, because he's something of an old Washington hand himself. He covered Biden for years.
0: He's certainly, he's gotten some of the old band back together, but it's a very different deal when uh, when he's in the chair. He always had this fascinating relationship with Barack Obama. He would always say, you know, we got the order of this ticket right. <laughs> you know, he had, he had run for president in 2008 and Obama had beaten him. And he had a, a certain just incredible respect and even awe for Obama's talents. In the same way, he would also, there was kind of a slightly condescending way he would talk about the way Obama didn't, wasn't really quite as much of a people person as he was and didn't have as much political understanding as he did and certainly didn't understand the Senate, uh, you know, with his long experience there. Um, so it's very different for, uh, for the president-elect being the president-elect.
1: Mike says... Understanding the Senate, it's one of the most important things Biden's growing staff can do. And it's a place their boss has studied for a long time. After all, the last time Biden was in the White House, the housing crisis meant that one of his first priorities was getting the Senate to agree to a massive stimulus package. Now, with COVID, he's going to need to do it all over again.
0: He's certainly coming in to clean up another mess.
1: Only this time around, there's a difference.
0: They had 57 Democrats in the Senate when Obama took office, and now they're going to have anywhere between 48 and 50. Um, it makes a big difference. And uh, Joe Biden is a deal maker, <laughs> and he's going to have to make some deals. And of course, uh, Mitch McConnell, who was a drag on stimulus last time. You know, he knows the drill. He discovered a newfound love for stimulus when Trump was president and needed to save the economy. And I think he will now fall back out of love.
1: Today on the show, the team who's going to guide this next stimulus, they've done this before. But the grand compromise they reached last time, will they think of it as a blueprint or a cautionary tale? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next?, Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's just start by laying out something really basic, which is I think the biggest challenge for Biden is going to be the coronavirus, like both protecting people and also protecting people from a financial collapse, what are the signals the Biden campaign is sending about how he's planning to approach this problem, both economically and health-wise?
0: Well, certainly on, on the economy, he wants a huge relief bill, um, a big stimulus bill. And look, I think you know the, the two things to know about, about Biden as he prepares to deal with a Either Republican Senate or a completely divided Senate is that he is a deal maker, but he is also not a fool. He is going to be looking to find some kind of compromise with Mitch McConnell. He was the Obama administration's sort of designated McConnell whisperer. He was the one they sent to go go talk to
1: Mitch yeah, how did that happen, or was it just obvious? Well, you know again.
0: Biden was the one who spent all those years in the Senate. Biden was the one who had the relationship with Mitch McConnell where they feel like they can talk honestly with each other. And Biden does not try to convince McConnell of anything. He knows that McConnell is McConnell. Biden was very much about, you know, what's what's a gettable deal? What's your bottom line? Where can we find some common ground? and, And where are we just gonna have to agree to disagree?
1: It's been interesting to me to listen to reporters try to understand the relationship between Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, because, you know, some people have characterized it as friendly. President Obama recently said, yeah, no, they they were not friends, but they knew each other. I wonder how you would characterize it. I think
0: businesslike. So when he's dealing with uh, with Mitch McConnell, he's not saying, you know, this is a person, terrible person, who disagrees with me about everything, and has you know sort of propped up Donald Trump, who puts kids in cages. Instead, he thinks you know this is a guy who had polio when he was young, who has uh, you know fought for everything, who has his beliefs and they aren't mine. And let's see what kind of deal we can work out. He told me that during the transition in 2008, seven different Republican senators told him, "Look, we're not going to be able to support you on anything big." the entire obama <laughs> obama administration that's just the way it's going to be the order came down from the top if obama was for it we got to be against it and look that made it very difficult to cut deals but there were still deals that that biden managed to cut because you know there were fiscal cliffs and debt ceilings and things that just had to be negotiated. And Biden was the guy who did it. He's not going to have any illusions that, uh, that he's going to have some kind of honeymoon where Mitch McConnell is going to give him a year to, to do the kind of stuff he wants to do. But there may be things that he's able to pick off a few Republicans like he did on the, st- on the original stimulus. And there may be things where he may be able to work out some kind of larger deal.
1: President Obama, in recent interviews about his memoir, has been pretty clear that part of the reason he sent Joe Biden to negotiate in the Senate is that he felt like it put Mitch McConnell in a a different position than if Obama himself was talking to him because Obama was black, because he was hung with all of these ideas that he was a Muslim socialist, which he wasn't, but (laughs) that he came with baggage for Mitch McConnell's constituents, whether that was fair or not. How do you expect the White House and Senate dynamic to change now that Biden is the person in the Oval Office?
0: That's a really interesting question. Um, You know, it's there's certainly it's certainly true that Biden is a white guy and may not be as toxic for the Republican base as Obama and then later Hillary was. You know you saw how Trump really struggled to to tar Biden with the same kind of epithets that he you know would throw all over Obama and Hillary. And in the last week of the campaign, you still saw saw Trump still, you know, threatening to throw Hillary in jail Um, while Biden was sort of sleepy Joe, you know, that's going to be the leftists behind him who are going to be the real enemy. Um, There was a sense that Biden was not as despised. And that could be helpful. But I think the other thing you have to face is that in, you know, when Obama was president, you know, Biden just wasn't Obama. He wasn't the guy in the chair, so he wasn't as toxic. And there's a big incentive for, you know, a lot of the right wing media and the right wing base is, you know, they're going to start disliking Joe Biden an awful lot when he's president. Um, So I think the idea that Mitch McConnell is going to find it super easy to cut deals with him, I think that may be overstated, but it might be easier than it was with Obama.
1: Biden's right-hand man is going to be a guy named Ron Klain. And he's someone who's been around Joe Biden for a very long time. And I know that you've reported on him extensively. So I want to lay out who Biden's chief of staff is and what you think his approach might be.
0: Ron Klain is a really interesting guy. He's this sort of, uh, you know, menschy Jewish guy from uh, from Indianapolis, Who uh, went to harvard law school incredibly smart got to worked for biden on the senate judiciary committee um, Where he really ran that Um, But then just has been A manager. Um, He was vice president gore's chief of staff Um, He became kind of famous during the florida recount which he was in charge of the the, sort of overseeing the democratic lawyers Um, He was played by kevin spacey in that hbo movie (laughs) Um, and uh, then he was Vice President Biden's chief of staff and he ran the Recovery Act, um, which is, of course, when I got to know him and he was considered just an excellent manager, really road herd where you had Biden constantly on the phone. They had a nice sort of one 2 punch where Biden every day was on the phone with governors and mayors, Republicans and Democrats um, saying like, hey, you got to get the money moving. You got to do this. You got to do that. And then Ron was really in charge of the follow up. Ron was in charge of making sure that everything Biden said happened. His political instincts, I think, are, you know, while he's keenly political and is aware, he knew from the start that the Recovery Act, which a lot of Democrats thought, hey, this is going to be great politics. We're doing a jobs bill during a jobs crisis. Um, Ron saw really early that it could be trouble.
1: Yeah, why? Why did he spot that when others didn't? you got to remember, in 2008, they
0: took over. Congress had just spent... $700 700 billion dollars bailing out wall street obama had run on this idea that the whole problem the reason we were in this mess was you know wall street had done too much with borrowed money homeowners had borrowed too much money and then the new president was going to come in and say we need to borrow another 800 billion dollars you know to pour it into the economy that was going to be a tough sell and i think he recognized that that said some of his other political instincts weren't always perfect ron klein told me that he, he predicted that high-speed rail was going to be a huge political victory for Obama, that it was going to be in all the ads in in 2012, and that it was going to really hurt uh, Republicans like Scott Walker and Ritz Scott, who actually killed high-speed rail projects in their states. But it wasn't, and it didn't. <laughs> you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't great for Obama, and it certainly didn't hurt Scott or Walker at all, because they both got reelected easily.
1: I mean, what you're saying is, people respect Klein a lot but he also sounds like a human who <laughs> gets things wrong and makes bad predictions uh, you know with some frequency i'm wondering how negotiating the stimulus deal back in 2009 changed klein's perspective on washington
0: you know he saw the the way the republicans turned against things like infrastructure unemployment benefits, even small business tax cuts, things that had never been controversial in the past. And Republicans, you know, including like Mike Pence was one of the leaders of this, who saw their opportunity uh, to get out of the political wilderness was just pure obstructionism to fight Obama and everything. And remember, Obama had promised that he was gonna be a postpartisan president and by refusing cooperate, Republicans could make him a liar. Now, Joe Biden has run again on trying to turn down the temperature in Washington, to unify the country. We're all going to get along, and right again, again, he can't control that. You know, the Republicans get a vote, and if they don't want him to be a bipartisan leader, he won't be. Um, so I think that's something that that Klein is already concerned about, and he's going to be somebody who's who's certainly looking for deals, but is also going to be trying to make the bureaucracy work in case there is no legislative opportunities. Um, What can we do just through the executive branch?
1: Well, it's interesting. You already see this kind of floating of what could we get done and how could we do it? Like there's been chatter about, is there going to be an executive order that deals with college debt? for folks. And it seems to be floating out there as an idea like, hey, we could do this and we could just do it with a stroke of a pen, which seems to me to be an acknowledgement that you may be stuck legislatively, but we're going to look for ways around that.
0: And that's that's an interesting example, because if you talk to economists, including the, you know, sort of left leaning economists who work for Biden, he really has a more liberal economic brain trust than uh, than Obama did but they'll tell you that you know forgiving student debt is is you know not on the top 100 list of how to stimulate the economy but it might be good politics and it might be a sign to young people and and uh, a part of the democratic base that biden has their back in the same way you know trump funneling money to farmers was sort of a way of saying like hey uh, i'm on your side and and, and Ron, who, while he's, you know, he's a manager first, he's absolutely a political animal and he's aware of the political ramifications of everything they do. So that'll be that's a, an, one of many interesting tests.
1: When you talk about that kind of visibility of a big action like that is so important and a real lesson learned that's something that Biden and Klein took from the stimulus where, you know, they gave Americans money, but they did it in this kind of secretive way where money was injected into people's paychecks rather than a big check coming to them with Obama's signature. And it makes you wonder whether this time around they're really thinking about doing it differently.
0: That's a great point. Uh, one of my favorite stimulus stories is this. is actually even before Obama took office, there was a big meeting in Chicago with his economic and political team, and they were talking about how to put the stimulus together. and uh, And Rahm Emanuel, the chief of staff then, who was a real political guy, he said, "Let's just send everybody checks, um, like you know, like Bush had done before, and Trump would do later." And uh, but the economists on the team said, well, there's behavioral economic research that shows that if you just give people a big chunk of money, they're more likely to save it and less likely to spend it. Because when they notice it, they say, oh, I got to I got to put this money away. So it's better if they don't notice it. And Obama, who was very about we're going to do what the policy, the right thing, we're not going to be political. So they did that and they just dribbled it out through withholding a few dollars a week. And it was kind of effective, but nobody noticed it. <laughs> you know, 95% of the country got a tax cut and less than 10% of the country was aware they got a tax cut. And that's pretty lousy politics. That's, uh, you know, it's sort of like, you know, sending your you know, romantic interests roses, but forgetting to sign the note. Yeah, it's like, it's like, don't be too smart. Yeah. And, and in fact, in fairness to, to Ron, who supported that at the time, and he said, look, the economists, had their ideas, and we did what The Economist said. But in retrospect, it was just stupid. We should have done the political thing.
1: More What Next after a short break. When I look at the transition team Biden's assembling, I get major flashbacks to the beginnings of the Obama administration, the dire economic news, the talk about healing partisan divides, a general feeling of elation and dread swirled together. Democrats had majorities in the House and the Senate back then, and they managed to pass the U.S. Recovery Act less than a month after Obama was inaugurated. But it still inflamed tempers up and down the political spectrum. Republicans in the House voted unanimously against the bill, and progressive critics thought the final package was far too meager. It's interesting to read how... Ron Klein sort of thought about the stimulus after it all went through because you talk about how he was irritated by Republicans who who blocked a lot of things but that he was also irritated by the left who at the time were pushing for more stimulus which he didn't think was practical because of the congress he was dealing with he thought you know we got to just compromise here but the weird thing about that is that now a decade plus later everyone kind of agrees we should have done more. And I wonder if you think that kind of hangs over the stimulus question now that Biden's looking to assume their presidency.
0: Well, I think what what Ron would say, and he said then, is that, yeah, like, the White House wanted more stimulus too. It just wasn't doable. They didn't have the votes for it. Um, It was the same with the public option on Obamacare. Obama wanted a public option. Biden wanted a public option. Joe Lieberman wasn't willing to vote for a public option, and they needed 60 in the Senate. So Biden, even more than Obama, perhaps, is willing to do some of the big stuff that the left wants, but is equally realistic about, you know, you you can only get as much as, you know, essentially Mitch McConnell is willing to let pass. And that changes the strategy in ways that the left might
1: not like. I wonder how you think about that vote getting come January. Because a few weeks ago when I was thinking about where we were, I was pretty grim. (laughs) Like I just thought, okay, you know, the president-elect will come in and he'll face a lot of opposition in the Senate. And it may just be that things sit for a long time and, you know, we're kind of in the muck. But then over the last week or so, The situation with COVID has become so dire around the country, and it seems like the current president, Trump, is so disinclined to act that I I wondered if over the next few weeks things will get so bad that by the time Biden assumes office, dithering won't be an option.
0: Well, dithering is always an option, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know? Um, This was very much the thinking in 2009 was that, you know, we are losing 800,000 jobs a month. We are about to fall into a depression. Surely the Republicans are going to play, but they didn't. And it was only really Joe Biden who... You know, rode Amtrak every day with Arlen Specter and managed to convince him to come along. Was on the phone. I think he called Susan Collins two dozen times during a one-month period. You know, she was in Caribou, Maine, constantly like very spotty cell service. But you know, Biden really worked it, Um, and that's really what he does. I think if anybody can cut these deals, Biden is probably that guy, but people should understand that he's going to have to give stuff away. Susan Collins insisted they had this big idea for a $10 billion school construction project in the 2009 stimulus, and Susan Collins didn't like it, so it wasn't in there. Um, Arlen Specter insisted, okay, you can have my vote, but you have to spend $10 billion on the National Institutes of Health. So they were like, fine, we'll do $10 billion for NIH. And then it turned out that a lot of those, you know, every time Republicans found out about some NIH study where they were, you know, testing teen sex habits or seeing how monkeys react to cocaine, um, it would be front page news for a week. Like, ha ha ha, the stimulus is funding cocaine monkeys. But as Ron Klain pointed out, if we didn't have the cocaine monkeys, (laughs) we wouldn't have had tax cuts and roads. So There's going to be compromise. It's going to be stuff that people don't like. Biden is a guy who's not going to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And it remains to be seen whether the Democratic base is willing to accept that.
1: Does Joe Biden need a Joe Biden? Like, I've been thinking about his administration. Kamala Harris seems very different than Joe Biden was as vice president. So I'm wondering if he's going to be the one making all these calls or, you know, who will?
0: Well, he'll be making a lot more than Obama did. That's for sure. Obama really didn't like getting involved in the, in the legislative nitty gritty and Biden loves it. Um, but I think you can expect that he's going to have legislative people who really know the Hill um, and who reflect his approach. You know, they're not going to be uh, my way or the highway guys. Everybody has their own style and negotiations are always a mix of carrots and sticks. Biden is more a carrot guy. He's not a, a bring-down-the-hammer guy like Rahm Emanuel was. In the Obama administration, Biden was more the good cop and Rahm Emanuel was the bad cop. It'll be interesting to see if he brings in a bad cop.
1: Mike Grenwald, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Oh, it's been my pleasure.
1: Mike Grunwald is a senior writer for Politico magazine. He wrote a book about the Obama administration's stimulus bill. It's called The New New Deal the hidden story of change in the Obama era. And that's the show. Before I go, small favor to ask. We are really wondering how all of you are gonna deal with the holidays during COVID. And we want you to call in and tell us. Are you going to Thanksgiving this year? Skipping it? Or maybe you're doing some new family tradition that you wanna share with everyone. Whatever you're up to, let us know. Give us a call at 202 888 2588. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, and Mary Wilson, with an assist from Franny Kelly. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. You can find me, Mary Harris, on Twitter. I'm at Mary's Desk. Meanwhile, I will be back here in your feed tomorrow.